Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Not sure how much, so we'll see how he gets through whatever he can get through today, and then um, obviously we'll put the report out later. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ Mac and Bone with you. They put the report out, and he was a full participant. Bryce Young, full go in practice. Frank Reich says he is on track to start the game on Sunday, barring any setbacks to that ankle. He had it taped up yesterday. Video showed uh, there was some video of him walking out there. He looks good to go. No comments from the peanut gallery on how he looked last week walking as well. But uh, sounds like... We might get Bryce back on the field. I'm excited about it. I think this is what we have to do, whether there's growing pains or not. And we will talk about the challenge that he will face in the Vikings. Is, is the challenge is it is this defense one that we feel good about Bryce playing against, or is this defense one we worry about Bryce? playing in so we'll talk about uh that but that's all coming up sunday one o'clock bank of america stadium bowman speaking of sunday countdown to kickoff and the panthers are back at mitten moorhead this week for another edition of countdown to kickoff join kyle bailey and chris mcclain all oh, those guys are good Join Kyle Bailey and his little buddy for the pregame <laughs> show at 11. Then stick around to celebrate the day at the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse. Countdown to kickoff is brought to you by Dry Pro, Carolina Men's Clinic, Planet Kia, and Pepsi. Hit the doghouse for countdown to kickoff this Sunday morning and before every home game. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports fan. I love that show. You got Kyle Bailey. He yeah, brings in my ass and call there me. There he Sally. is, right there, Sally, and he brings in his sidekicks, and oh, it's a great time. <laughs> <out there. laughs> Where are well, you at on Sundays, you. Matt? Where well, are you thank at? you, Bone. Thank you for the promotion, I'm there, just, my friend. I'm just, I'm just pulling the, uh, pulling your, your legs. My there. man, Panthero, America's favorite superhero, Panthero. He says, <laughs> "What, pi- what are Max picks for underdog tonight? I need to know which ones to stay away from on underdog fantasy." <laughs> um, I've been doing. He's fair. a little bitter that he had Jalen Hurts. Uh, higher than <laughs> he had, yeah, Jalen, lower than he the, had Jalen Hurts lower than nine and a half rush attempts on Monday night and the tush push got him to 10. Unbelievable. <laughs> them two pushers got got you, brother. Um, I'm actually now looking at the Ryder Cup, but here's the here's my question about the Ryder Cup. And I don't know how y'all feel. And by the way, I swear we're talking about Bryce Young and the Vikings here in a second. Like the U.S. have not won a Ryder Cup on the road in Europe in three decades. It's literally 30 years. It is like 30 so years. So I'm looking at the Ryder Cup like higher lowers on underdog. Is it wrong that I think the best plays are McElroy and John Rahm? Like, am I a horrible American? Like, I, can I do that? I don't no, think I, I don't know if I can do that. Why not? What, I don't think you But I don't want to be rooting for, you know what I mean? I think I just need to sit it out. 
Now, you're not a guy, well, Mac, that would just root for your picks, though. You'd root for what you want in your heart. You would not just root to make money, would you? I don't know. I'd yeah, you would. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would still rather have America win than me win my money. Yeah. But I don't know if I want that. I don't know. Is that is that morally wrong, y'all? Underdog I think you're putting too much pressure on To put yourself. the overs on uh, or you, the hires on Rahm and McElroy. Is that morally wrong as an American you, sports are fan? Are you urgent for money or desperate for money? <laughs> you already won money on Kyle Pitts this year, all right, against the Panthers. I did. I did. But, um... Again, the Panthers could win the game, Bone. I, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess America could win, but Rom and McElroy could yeah. go over the total still. I don't know. I feel a little dirty right now. I got to be honest. I feel a little dirty about thinking about doing that. Anyway, let's refocus. Maybe, maybe we get to the Panthers Vikings talk and you work that out on your own time. Yeah, I'll work it out. But my fellow <laughs> Americans, let me know how you feel. Uh, let me know how you feel about that. Um, all right, let's talk about Bryce Young. You seem to be feeling frisky about Bryce Young against the Minnesota defense. And I get it, man. They're, they're, they're like bottom seven in just about every category you could imagine. I, I, I'm a little worried again, and I'll say this again for for the seven o'clockers. If Bryce Young throws four or five interceptions, I, I start him the next week, and I don't blink. He's got to learn. Um, with that said, though, Bone, I don't like the fact that Minnesota has blitzed over sixty percent of the time in its first three games—a ridiculous number, including over eighty percent of the time in the last game against Justin Herbert. You know they're going to do it a ton against Bryce. I don't. I don't know if like if 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 someone in college blitz Bryce Young eighty percent of the time, he would destroy them. Yeah, oh, the game 100%. would be a rout. But pro NFL Bryce Young is he ready to handle constant blitzing? Is our offensive line bone with two you know uh, backups starting, including Zavala, fresh off giving up fourteen pressures. According to PFF, are those guys ready to I, like I know Minnesota's gettable on the back end if, if you can hold up. But I'm a little worried about the combo of rookie quarterback, two backup guards against the blitz. And all icky that, too, icky. All that blitzing, they've they've intercepted the ball one time. So they're not opportunistic, Mac, in terms of turnovers with interceptions. They forced one interception. They have six and a half sacks with all that blitzing. But three came from Daniel Hunter against the against philadelphia so outside of that they they don't they're they're blitzing a lot they're not getting there <laughs> he's a defensive end they're not getting there a ton and they're not forcing turnovers i think this is a perfect matchup at the right time because we talked about bryce needing to trust his first reads make a quick decision get the ball out like andy dalton did and you learn that over time as a vet but i think if the pressure is there i think bryce young's decision making could get sped up in a positive way in this matchup We've wanted that. I think this could be a good thing. I think he's going to trust his reads. He's also got some safety valves. They need to use more like Chenault. If there's a blitz, whoop, go to Chenault. Miles Sanders out of the backfield. I think this is a good matchup at the right time for Bryce. I just, I'm not predicting a win here. I'm just talking about that matchup right there. I think end of the season, I think I would feel better about it. We have not really seen Bryce Young play a good football game yet. Um, we have seen him looser with the ball than I thought he would be. We've seen him baited in interceptions. And I just wonder, Bone, like it's great to acknowledge, hey, do it like Andy Dalton. Look how quick he got the ball out. Andy Dalton got the ball out, by the way, on average, 2.3 seconds. Bryce, 3.2. It's night and day. That's a huge difference. Um, and it's one thing to say, okay, Bryce, now you know what you're going to do. Go do it. But he hasn't shown he can do it yet. 
So I'm just a little concerned. He's been a little hesitant. He's held on to it. He hasn't trusted that first read. I guess you're saying the blitz comes and he feels like I have to get it out. Can't waste time on this one. I have to get it out. But if he is indecisive, I'm just a little worried. I'm a little worried. Now, I'm not worried the way some are. Some are worried, and I noticed this in the first hour of the show as well. Uh, where's this cat at here? You, you, Mac, you got a team that blitzes 80% of the time. You got a quarterback that is the tiniest quarterback in the NFL. You have a terrible offensive line. Explain to me why Bryce Young is going to start this game. Do you have worries about that, that he's going to get hit a bunch? Not really. I just said that the Vikings, they have six and a half sacks, but three were against you know, three were in one game by one player. Now, look, I yes, it, any game you, you trust our O line, but any game. But then, what's he going to play then? Oh, I'm not saying don't so play. I'm, not, him. I'm just saying, I'm just like, saying, like he's going to get hit probably. He he probably will, and they may get there, like Frank Wright talked about. But I think in terms of the team at the right time defensively that you're facing. I think this is, it could be a lot worse of a matchup than a team that's blitzing a lot. Hell, they blitz, for some reason, they blitz Justin Herbert a lot last week. He's, one, he's good against the blitz. PFF had 86% blitzes that's last ridiculous. week. ridiculous. Which is absurd. Um, they blitzed everybody. They were over 50% against Baker. Um, and Baker, after the game, talked about how he figured out what they were, what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's Baker figuring it out. Who did they play second week? They played, um, I got it right here, they played um, the Eagles. They were over 50% blitz and hurts, too. Yeah. So, again, this may be near 100. This is a rookie QB. Although Mike Florio, I think he's the one that wrote the piece on P, uh, Pro Football Talk. Florio brought up an interesting point. He says they are blitzing so much, like historical rates. Like, like over 60% of the time in a three-game span is, is virtually unheard of. And he says they are so predictable. Like, he says quarterbacks are, once they know the blitz is always coming, he says it actually takes away the danger of the, like the, the, the shock value of the blitz. And once you realize, and maybe this is what you're kind of speaking to in a different way, once you realize, okay, you're sending them. So let me just go hot, hot, yep, hot. Yep, Let me hit yep. that hot rate. So, Hurst. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what um, how it ends up playing out. Brian Flores I, is the DC now for the Vikings. That's, that's why it's changed so dramatically. Yep. They have him, a new DC. Um, but, but they are, I mean, they're like 26th overall defense, horrendous against the pass. They are getting roasted and toasted. When they blitz. So we'll see. I just, I'm a little skittish about the O-line as well. I mean, Bone, how many times have you seen a simple stunt this year in the preseason or regular season throw these dudes for a loop? So I'm a little worried about the O-line. But again, I'm not one of these guys. I don't want you to mistake me for one of the soccer moms that are afraid little Brycey going to get hurt. Like, some of y'all sound literally like a soccer mom. Oh, my God, my baby. Uh, don't slide tackle my baby. Like, Bryce Young's an NFL football player. All right? We've got to tr- we've got to put him out there, and he's going to take hits. We cannot treat him like he's an 8-year-old playing peewee for the first time. Hey, nothing like, nothing he- wrong with a supportive youth parent mom. All right? I told you before, I got my head smacked on the basketball court, saw stars, woke up. My mom was there on the court with her first, <laughs> dragging me off the court. Didn't play the rest of that tournament, all right? I had to sit there with an ice pack on my head. Uh, Matt, as I analyze the Vikings here on the other side, just I do me a favor. I need you right now to, be, to look to positive stuff. Do not look at how many receiving yards Justin Jefferson has in three games already this year. Please don't. Just don't look at those numbers. He's almost at 500 yards receiving in three games. Yeah, that's a problem. That's <laughs> a problem, man. With no J.C. Horn, I would have loved to see the J.C. Horn matchup. But yeah. now it's like, and now you double, you have to double them, right? 
And then the other guys, you know, might get frisky against your backup uh, corner. Addison, Osborne, Hawkinson at tight end has 23 catches already. I like the way you say Hawkinson. Hawkinson. (laughs) You you get that loogie right on up there Yeah, when you say Hawkinson. You try to say his name. I'm looking at Hawkinson. Hawkinson. I'm looking at a couple of texters. Mad Dog Mason says it's the NFL. He's going to get hit. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm with you on that 100%. What I'm worried about is that it might still might might not be a great performance from Bryce. It might not be a great performance in the O-line. That's what I'm worried about. But I'm sorry, man. I know y'all don't want to hear this. It's now about the process. It's about the Bryce process. That's what, I, it, that's I what it's now about. Going to go out on a limb here and think this game's going to have a lot of points involved in it. You think so? <laughs> I think so. I yes. hope. I, I think hope it that, will. Because I think, well, I shouldn't say I hope. Because I still think Minnesota can move the ball up and down and you can hold them to field goals. Or you can get turnovers. You know, I think Minnesota gets a lot of passing yards. I would definitely say that. I just don't know if we're winning a shootout with Bryce. You think Bryce Young's going to give us in a shootout? I think Andy Dalton could win a shootout. I didn't say. I, I didn't don't think forget, Bryce. I can. didn't forget them to win. I'm just saying. I think this game's going to involve a lot of points. I just think that's the way Minnesota's going to play this game. Uh, Kirk Cousins leads the league in passing yards. You would think it's Tua, but it's not. It's Cousins. Yeah, he's thrown for a ton. As bad as their overall record is, he's been throwing for a ton of yards. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Mac, Bryce will have to deal with the crowd noise this week. Remember the Viking fan takeover. Um, that would be sad. If we start getting false starts in our own stadium because Viking fans are blowing horns and stuff, um, do you think the Viking fans will take this joint over for the second time? Do you think that will happen? Uh, that was a bizarre one. That was not one that's normally on the list of takeovers. Now they're 0-3. Are people going to be into their Vikings to see them? You know, I don't know the Viking fan mindset right now. I don't know where they came from last time. I know Vikings, Mac, are very nomadic, and they just wander. They just wandered into the stadium that time. We don't know. Where, remember the guy that was dressed like a Viking on a motorcycle? Where did these people come from last time? I do Minnesota not know. Phil, is that you? I don't know where they came from. No idea. It's, it was it was a strange one. Adam Thielen did say yesterday how well the Vikings travel. Wow. So and I'm thinking, yeah, we found that out. I never would have known it. Um, this t- uh, t- texter says, somehow Steve Wilkes is a better offensive coach than this entire staff. The O-line looks horrible after looking really good in the last half of last season. Well, right now we have a rookie at one left guard and a man named Throckmorton at the other one. <laughs> and last week we had a rookie at one guard spot and um, a second-year Cade Mays at the other. So it's not the full line. It needs to be said. I will say this, though. James Campen's there. So the O-line coach is there. Um, I don't understand the icky thing, though. He looks like he's starting his career over again. It's weird. Daniel Hunter also, of their six sacks, he has five of them right now. So that's the one real threat on the pass rushing side there. You do bring up a good point, though. They're 21st in sack percentage, despite blitzing over 60% of the time. Yeah, they're not getting there like, a lot. It's not getting home a ton, man. You well, know? Robert says the Vikings fans travel to other places because it's already winter in Minnesota right now. <laughs> they're trying to escape 20-degree weather in September. I'm telling you, man, that time we were in Minnesota for that Super Bowl, like we had fun broadcasting there. When you stepped outside, I have never felt cold like that. Like, my your face is like numb instantaneously. You walk out the door. When it we, was crazy. We had to go to the Mall of America at 4:30 uh, <laughs> Minnesota time there, hour difference. And 
that that wind gust when you were walking into the it's almost like when you're at a gas station and the wind gust comes through that wind gust mag right before we went into the doors might have been the coldest moment my brutal my kibbles your kibbles my kibbles froze to my to my leg <laughs> and I, I will ne- if i had to say what's the coldest moment of my life has to be it was right before that door at the mall of america has to be it was colder than a witch's booby out there man it was freaking cold we are cool kibbles and boobies <laughs> listen to mac and bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10 instant replay continues with more in a moment only on sports radio 92.7 wfnz the exclusive home of the charlotte sports fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So easy to get sidetracked by the nonsense that we have going on during the break, folks. I'm trying to tell you, we could cut uh, a video of our own. It would just be uh, NSFW, not safe for work. Yeah, I mean, I'd be involved in about probably... 25% 25% of that. Yeah. And you guys would carry the rest well, of the 75. I don't know about that, Walt. 30? I mean, I guess that is a third. You might be a strong 50%. You contribute to the dumb stuff on in, in the break. You contribute. That is so far off. Ain't no way. Ain't no way I'm contributing to half of the during the break content. I'd say half is about accurate. I, I just, think so. I love that how he's crazy. trying to play like some innocent guy. Yeah, there, like, he hitting us with the little angel. Now, when you, now, now, when you call me that on the air next time because it plays into your insult, I'm going to bring this up. I'd give you about, <laughs> I'm bring this I'd up. Give you about three out of five days of the week you contributing to the madness going on. No, nah, I'm working, man. That's how I am. Yeah. I'm a working man. Okay. Got my head buried into the rundown, figuring <laughs> out what we're going to talk about. That's how I roll. All right. Well, going back to the Carolina Panthers and chime in with us, 704-570-9610. Got a little bit of a revenge game going on here with the Carolina Panthers. Adam Thielen going up against his old squad, Justin Jefferson and the crew. You know the gritty, the dances that he does. Adam Thielen saw a lot of that playing for Minnesota, but that cap number that he had got him out of there, and he came to Carolina where he's starting to really perform for the Panthers. And so do we think that we're 
going to get an Adam Thielen revenge game against Minnesota where he comes out and dominates. Let's hear about a little bit of sound from Adam himself about the motivation this week to face his old team. It's 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 really hard to explain kind of the emotions of everything. Um, is there a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But I'm 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 not the type of person to hold grudges. Um, you know, I I just think that. You know, it it it, it just is what it is, right? And yeah. I'm I'm happy where I'm at. And um, you know, I think I think for me, it's just. I can't. I can't look at the past. I'm just focusing on the now. Um, but, but uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of emotions, right? You're, we're emotional beings. Um, you're gonna have emotions. So basically, right there at the end, he told you that he is thinking about the game and that he is fired up for this game after first trying to downplay it. And I know that he's good and warmed up for it because he caught 11 passes for 145 yards. That was the most for any wide receiver 33 years or older since Julian Edelman had 179 yards for the Patriots in 2020. So... He is ready to go. They were the second most for a receiver 33 or older in the past five years. And his 11 catches were the fifth most for a receiver at that age in the past 10 seasons. So he's kind of going back to the future on us, coming out bucking the trend of the quote-unquote aging receiver. So are you buying what Adam Thielen is selling us? Well, I guess what do you – what are you like? Do you really think that? Do you think for one that he is going to have a big game against his old team, but buying that he's kind of downplaying it and it's just another game? Okay, so I'm sure this one means more to him than the other ones mm-hmm. because think about it. It's not only that he started his career with the Minnesota Vikings; he played his college career in Minnesota. So you're talking about graduating from Minnesota State as an undrafted free agent, signing on to the roster with Minnesota in 2014 having eight receptions his rookie year, 12 receptions in 2015, and then he becomes a real player in 2016, stays there until last season where he finally is in a different state playing football for the first time in any meaningful part of his football career. Yeah, this is going to have a lot of emotion, and he admitted it at the end. It seems like it's going to mean more than in maybe even a positive way or maybe just have some kind of emotion that is different than, oh, I hate Minnesota for giving up on me. I don't know if I necessarily think he's coming at this with a lot of anger. I think he wants to show him that he still has it. Of course, you're going to want to do that for any team that decides to let you go. But it doesn't seem like there is a big old grudge from Adam Thielen. I think he's telling you he's going to play this game with a lot of emotion because he spent so much time there. I don't know how much anger he's going to play the game with against Minnesota. Let's hear from Kirk Cousins, his old quarterback, on facing his former receiver. You know, the last time I played against him, I think, was 2017. Didn't go well for me. <laughs> he had a big day. So, uh, um, you know, he's a great player. Uh, I was a bene- beneficiary of that for many years. And um, I know that uh, Carolina is excited to have him. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of good football left in him. And, um, uh, you know, we got to contain him. And, and uh, I'll always be pulling for him, but on Sunday, obviously, I will have we'll have different interests for the first time in about six years. Yeah, I think that you know he also talked about too. It's going to be fun to go and 
uh, holler at some of the old teammates and things of that nature. But I think for sure, once the game gets closer and closer, he's going to be ready to go. He's going to be fired up. I expect a big game from him. And I think that it's definitely a lot more personal than he makes out to be because that's kind of the lifeblood of athletes is to find any little bit of motivation to get out there and play great at whatever sport that you are at. And once you're told we don't want you anymore, we're not good enough, he doesn't care what the cap number said, he doesn't care what the salary cap said, he's frustrated because they let him go and felt he was no longer good enough to help the Minnesota Vikings. So I think that's definitely going to play into his psyche, and I think that he's going to come out and play excellent football. And so the last time that Carolina had maybe one of these games with a big-time receiver on the line, he was an opponent, and we might know him pretty well. His name was Steve Smith, and we remember the blood and guts game that he talked about. Put your goggles on. Seven catches, 139 yards, and two touchdowns in a blowout win for them. He ended that season with 1,065 yards to make him one of five receivers, 33 or older, with more than 1,000 yards receiving in the past 10 years. So I already said that Adam Thielen to this point is averaging 70 yards per game. If he comes out and has another big game against Minnesota this week, obviously that will up that average and put him closer to 1,000 yards. Do you have any uh, memories of that blood and guts game? And do you still think that Adam Thielen will not sniff 1,000 yards? Yeah, so... The first question, yes, I definitely remember the the blood and guts game. Steve Smith looked like a real player at that time. Yeah, you know, and we all know how poorly it ended. Steve Smith, not exactly a fan of Carolina at that time, but specifically it was towards Dave Gettleman. And eventually, it was quoted as the bedside manner that did Dave Gettleman in and brought on the second tenure of Marty Herney as the general manager of that Panther team. Remember, he got let go right at the beginning of training camp. And then here comes in Marty Herney as a guy to be the interim GM and then became the permanent one before David Tepper decided to move on. And Steve Smith, that move, big part of it. Josh Norman, big part of it. Like the, Jerry Richardson was not about that with some of the former players that had helped that team either reach a Super Bowl in 2003 and 2015 and become productive guys, you know, even beyond that. If, if you're asking me about Adam Thielen sniffing a, a thousand yards, uh, I mean, this game was 145 yards for him, right? So you're looking at the first two. He had 12 against Atlanta. He had 54 on seven receptions, so involved, but 54 against New Orleans. I think I'm more inclined to see more of the New Orleans type of game where you're throwing pretty close to the line of scrimmage, possession receiver type of guy, but not exploding for a ton of yardage. In this game against Seattle, there were a couple of things working for him. You had a pro QB and Andy Dalton that had a lot of experience. They threw it close to 60 times in that game. He was involved in 92% of the offensive snaps playing 73 total. So a lot of playing time. And on top of that, as much injuries as the Carolina Panthers have suffered so far, I mean, that Seahawks secondary was banged up, man. Like Tariq Woolen not playing in that game. You're talking about Artie Burns, a guy that they signed that was even cut, not a very good cornerback. So you're talking about a banged up secondary. Thielen has been good, even against New Orleans, by the way. It's no knock. Like 54 receiving yards. It was hard to come by receiving yards in that game against the Saints. I just don't expect him. That's that's a lot, right? All those things working in the favor of Adam Thielen. I don't expect it to be close to that to the point where he eventually gets a thousand yards. I would still take the under on that. I would still take the under. 
All right. Well, I'm still going to stick with my thousand yard prediction, but just wondered what you thought about that. But also when you look at receivers that could be on the trading block, reports come out daily about this player, that player. Devontae Adams is a potential candidate. Hunter Renfro, Stephon Diggs, T. Higgins. Some of these players are or could be available for the taking. Should slash will the Panthers make a move at wide receiver uh, this season and is it going to be the top priority this offseason? Yeah, it's tough for me to see anything happening this year. I think this offseason, it's going to be a top priority. We're talking about the highest draft pick they have in the second round, probably using it on a wide receiver. And if the offensive line is as poor as it has been, especially if Icky just doesn't figure it out, if there's somebody that you really like, then maybe you take them at second round. But we need a lot more weapons, right? Like, even if you are a monster believer in Adam Thielen this season, you don't want to get caught with the cliff season for him. So to say, oh, well, Adam Thielen was good last year. He'll be good this year. Man, every single season, you can't bank on it because that's just how father time is. So even if he has a great year, you still have to be prepared for that to drop off. Remember, DJ Chark is on a one-year deal. If you think DJ Chark is someone that you can connect with downfield frequently going forward, one-year deal could sign with a different team. It's, Mingo was not going to be the thing that deters you from selecting a wide receiver. As much as I love Mingo, who's to say you can't give him some help? So I do think it's going to be the top priority. I don't think that they're going to make a monster move at wide receiver this season before the trade deadline. Well, when you look at it, too, and if we were to go through some of the prospects that would make the most sense, I mean, I think T. Higgins is a guy that I would look at that the Panthers could go after. Perhaps now how they would be able to do it, I would imagine they would have to get pretty creative with no first-round pick this year. Uh, the thinking is that he wants between 24 and $30 million a year, like another player on uh, the Carolina Panthers right now that we've been talking about signing to a deal but that's what the highest uh, receivers get annually when you talk about the top five, the averages range somewhere in there. Is there a prospect that you feel like would be a guy that if they were to try to make a move that you feel like would be the best fit? Because I just think that Higgins is uh, young enough, still got a lot of football ahead of him, young receiver to put with a young quarterback. He's got great experience, been to a Super Bowl already, great 50-50 ball guy. I think T. Higgins, in my opinion, would be the ticket. Well, I mean, T. Higgins is good. Yeah, you don't have to sell me on him. I, for sure, if they wanted to go after him, it, it'd all be about, do you want to allocate your resources and your cap to T. Higgins? And I would have no problem doing it. T. Higgins is a good wide receiver and had been playing, even if he wasn't targeted in the first game, was playing better than Jamar Chase in the second game. This third game, they started to go back to to Jamar Chase more so, and T. Higgins' very quiet night against the Rams this past uh, this past outing that they had Monday Night Football. So yeah, T. Higgins would be a guy. I don't know if there's any other name that would be on the trade market like that. Devontae Adams. I don't know if you saw Sheena Quick's tweet. She reposted something I think she tweeted out in May, mm -hmm. and it was Devontae talking and having a sit down interview, saying the night of his draft, he thought he was going to Carolina. He had talked to the Panthers the most, but in that NFL draft, it was them deciding to go with Kelvin Benjamin in the first round. And so it takes a little while for Devontae to cook up there in Green Bay, but once he does, it's pretty tasty. Sounds one of the best. 100%. And he's still doing some very good things with Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback, just being the featured target right now in that Las Vegas system. If things get so out of hand where Devontae Adams 
already mentioned that the Raiders have a culture of losing. They're not doing the right things, building a culture towards where they want to go. Then maybe Devontae is a guy that could be had out there. Not as young as T. Higgins, a little bit older, but still would help Bryce Young quite a bit. Yeah, it would take a lot uh, to be able to get him. And I think that the Panthers, at this point, if they wanted to make a move this year, they would have to probably trade one of their cornerstone pieces, i.e. Brian Burns or Derrick Brown, if they wanted to get something like that done. So what do you guys think out there in Texland? Would you give up a Brian Burns or a Derrick Brown to get, uh, or maybe even Frankie Louvu to get one of these uh, great receivers if the deal was put in front of you? But with that said, when you look at this duo, 15 catches between them this week, well over 200 yards and two touchdowns. Higgins and Chase? No, I'm talking about Adam Thielen and okay. DJ Chark. And so after what we saw in the Seattle game, does it make you feel a little bit better about this tandem and what they could be able to do? Yeah, I think you are probably talking about somewhere in the middle of what they faced in the first two weeks and what they faced against Seattle. I think it was TFB writing in here on the text line that Seattle had the 31st out of 32 ranked pass defenses so far going into that game. And they also had their starting two cornerbacks inactive. That was something we mentioned going in that this could be the time. It's why if Bryce was healthy, we wanted him to play against Seattle because get right game is too strong. You can't use that for a team that looks as bad as they did 0-2. But maybe you could get more opportunity for Bryce instead of having 140 yards passing. Maybe we could get north of 200. Like It was a possibility. Minnesota presents that a little bit. It's, they're going to blitz. We've talked about that a lot. Maybe you can have some connections down the field with the DJ Chark, but I think it's in the middle, right? I think you're not going to see them be as, you know, lacking in production as they were in the first two weeks, but you're certainly not going to see, in my opinion, 145 yards a week. Even if you think he's going to go over a thousand, Thielen ain't going to give you 140 every single week and Chark ain't going to give you a hundred every single week, but you're trying to hit the big plays downfield. Hopefully Mingo can come along nicely. I, I, and that's okay. Give us somewhere in the middle, right? Give give us something where we can bank on them being productive, even if we don't see 360 yards passing worth of offense every week. You know, maybe we can get closer to that realm in the middle. I think this week will give us more of a picture of these two as a tandem because I think they were awfully productive, even though Seattle did have injuries in the secondary and were struggling very much so. So here's another week, another opportunity for Carolina to go out and maybe try to expose a bad defense. And we'll see if Adam Thielen and D. DJ Chark are indeed uh, as bad as some of the pundits said they would be coming into this season or if Carolina will be okay if they can shore up some other areas and stand pat at wide receiver. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Instant Replay. 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We got the great Danny Cannell back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Danny Cannell, how are you, sir? What's up, Kyle? It's great to be on with you, man. I'm fired up. Last time we talked, I did not think we'd be sitting here having both teams in your area. You know, I mean, I know NC State needs to pick it up in that state, but Duke and North Carolina, 4 0. Both of them 4 0. It's phenomenal, man. It's great to catch up with you. You too, buddy. Good to hear from you again. It's, uh, it's a heck of a time to be a college football fan in this state, but let me back out for a second because uh, yesterday, Gene Sapikoff of the Charleston Post and Courier reported that Clemson is uh, planning to announce a departure from the ACC by year's end, also reporting that Florida State could be going with them. Um, they're saying this time it's for real, for real, Danny. I don't know how you feel about all this, but I mean, you're a former Florida State quarterback, so I know you have a vested interest in this conversation. What do you think? about the latest reporting all right now i'm mad at you because this is off-season discussion right? i know i know i, I know i know but i hear you too though i was actually in tallahassee uh three weeks ago i spoke to the tallahassee quarterback club and i heard heard in the next 45 to 60 days you might hear similar news so not too surprising but i'm at the point now i don't know about you I'm like, just just tell us when it's official. Because right. it does feel inevitable, and we just keep getting these announcements. And then I think, and Florida State's been the one that's been way more vocal than Clemson has. I think you start looking a little bit foolish when you come out with these announcements and nothing, or these rumored announcements, and then nothing happens, you know, nothing comes of it. So tell me when it's for real. You know, like, that's kind of where the point I'm in. I'm like, yeah, I've heard this before. This is the expectation. Yeah, 25 sounds good. Sounds inevitable. But, I mean, all these rumors, like, I don't think they do anybody good. And think about the two biggest moves that we've seen. When we saw Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12 and go to the SEC, the first big move out of the uh, Pac-12, when we saw USC and UCLA go to the Big 10, nobody had those. Nobody rumored it. Nobody leaked it. All of a sudden, it just happened. I would prefer that to be the, what happens next for the ACC and Clemson and uh, and Florida State. Like Until it actually happens, stop talking about it. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't know how you are. Same way. No, and I, I know you yeah. were kidding in the beginning, but I, I'm with you. The last two years, we've been able to, late August, stop talking about it. Put it away, right? Mm-hmm. We obsessed over Texas, Oklahoma, then UCLA, USC. But this year did feel different because it feels like all of college athletics is falling apart, uh, especially in the ACC right now. So this year felt different, but I am with you in spirit. I would much rather talk about football games. So I will ask you, Florida State Clemson from last week, what did we learn from that game, both about your Seminoles and the Clemson Tigers? I almost felt better about Clemson leaving that game than I did about Florida State. And I was nervous for the Seminoles going into Clemson, going into Death Valley. Thank you, you know, television networks, ABC, ESPN, for scheduling that game at noon because we had our hands full. But And we know Death Valley is a different place to play at night than it is at noon. But, I mean, we, we, we both watched that game, right? Clemson lost that game more than Florida State won it. Uh, Florida State, to their credit, did fight their way back. They did have the big turnover, scoop and score touchdown, which was the game-changing play. They did get the stops they needed. They did get the score in overtime. But that Clemson outplayed Florida State in almost every area. And I left feeling better about Clemson. Their defense did a better job completely shutting down Florida State's run game than LSU did. Kate Flubnick, I thought, came of, came of age almost. I know he's been playing better, but in that stage, to have a couple of big throws that he made uh, in that situation, I feel better about Kate Klubnik. 
Uh, and I know it's not what Clemson fans want to hear. You're two and two, and you're not even out of the month of September. But I very much expect Clemson to be at minimum nine and three, and probably ten and two. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they run the table again. And I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think the one thing that we need to see is Dabo really do some self-reflection and look at himself and say, you know what? I am not taking advantage of the rules afforded me. I need to go to the transfer portal to address some of the weaknesses on our team because it is the equivalent to watching an NFL team say, you know what? We're only going to use the draft. We're not going to use free agency. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Danny Cannell with us, courtesy of Bet Online, talking a little college football. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You opened up talking about the in-state team, so let's talk about Duke. They moved to 4-0 with a win over UConn. It sets up game day coming to Durham for the first time ever. Um, Notre Dame's coming in off of just a, a heartbreaking finish against Ohio State where they had 10 men on the field defensively for the final two plays. Um, a lot at stake and a lot to talk about going into this. Can Duke cut through the noise and get a massive win, or do you expect Notre Dame to bounce back? I actually I probably lean towards Notre Dame to bounce back and to get the win. Um, and I love Mike Elko. I love Riley Leonard. I love him as a QB. I love Jordan Waters, the running back. Like they've got some talented players. Talk, you know, we saw it in Clemson, some of the transfer portal players that they've had come in to Durham there to play for the Blue Devils. I almost feel like I would like Duke better. Possibly if they had lost close to Clemson and they were flying under the radar and game day wasn't coming there. The fact that they are, you know, sitting where they are at 4-0, that they are a top 25 team, like I don't think there's any chance that Notre Dame is going to overlook them or feel sorry for themselves and have sort of a lackluster performance. And this should not be an offense to Duke because the other aspect to this is that Notre Dame has dominated the ACC schools that it has played really since it's had this pseudo-alliance with the conference. And even go back to last year when, yes, I know they lost to Marshall and Stanford and some surprising losses, but they also beat North Carolina and they beat Clemson, you know, the two teams that were playing for the ACC championship. They just are deeper, and they've got the ACC school's number. I would love for Duke to win. I root for Mike Elko. I think he's phenomenal. I think Notre Dame, just along the offensive and defensive line, I think they'll be able to establish the ground game with Audrick Estime. And I think Sam Hartman, I think that offense played against a really good defense last week. And again, they probably should have won that game. That game was lost by Notre Dame. I think they come back a little bit surly, a little bit upset. And I think they uh, bounce back and get back on track. Speaking of Mike Elko, I hate to do it to Duke fans, but Michigan State just formally fired Mel Tucker, uh, I guess it was, what, two days ago. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Elko appears to be or have the top odds to be the next Michigan State head coach, according to some. Who who actually knows about this stuff? But, I mean, he's a New Jersey guy, doesn't exactly have Midwest roots. And I don't know if Michigan State's all that attractive to him, but they do have some money to spend. If you're Mike Elko, do you have interest in Michigan State if they come calling? How can you not, right? I mean, and I hate I hate that the stories, even because Chris Kleiman, the head coach of Kansas State, was asked about this yesterday because he was another coach that was, you know, kind of in the running to be the next coach at Michigan State. These coaches are trying to win, you know, I mean, Coach Elko, Coach Kleiman, they're trying to win conference championships. They're trying to focus on their season, and yet this is a very real possibility that these options will be available to them. I tell you, it's a, it's a easily – it's a better paying job. I don't know if it's a better job um, because Michigan State, yes, you have better resources. You have better access to athletes. 
But I think the ACC, you can win at Duke, and you can challenge you can challenge Florida State and Clemson and Miami and North Carolina in the ACC. It's been proven before. It's not easy, but it's easier than it is at Michigan State. And I know Michigan State has been to the playoffs, and Mike D'Antonio you know, led them to Big Ten championships. But with the realignment with USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, and then you add that in the mix to Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, who are all in a better position than you, you may not have a chance to compete for Big Ten championships. And it'll be more of an outlier. The other thing, too, is you talk about this. Mike Elko, you have to remember his background, where he came from. He is a perfect fit for Duke because – he went to Penn, right? I mean, he's a smart guy who comes from a background that understands an academic institution like Duke. I think he's more uniquely suited to Duke than he is to go ahead and take the bigger payday at Michigan State. Now, I would not criticize him at all if he took it because they can probably pay, I don't say close to double, but they have deeper pockets because of the new TV money that's coming there. But I think Mike Elko is in a position where he can really sit back he can really evaluate this. I don't think he has to just take the first opportunity that's there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he passes on this as well. Danny, I had uh, Mac Brown on the show Monday, and I, I referenced what you'd said to me going into week one, that you, you got the feeling Mac had a very quiet confidence about his team going into that uh, South Carolina game. And uh, he, he affirmed that. He said, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Well, here we are. They're 4-0. and And, uh, you know, they're playing pretty complimentary football. Danny, how should Mac feel about that team after four weeks? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I hope he texts me back now that you're giving out my secrets, you know, my private text. <laughs> I, did, I did share that with you. No, Mac is the best. I love Mac. If you would have told him, and if I, I saw him in Charlotte at the ACC media day, if I would have said, you know, what are the odds you'll be 4-0 coming out of the month of September, I bet he would have said 5 or 10%. I bet he would have said, I'd love to just get out at three and one. If I could get three and one, I'd be happy. And here we are sitting there undefeated with wins. Their schedule, I think, is the toughest maybe of anybody in the country. They got a win over an SEC opponent and a rival in South Carolina that was dominated. We all watched that unfold, the nine sacks. App State was a little close. Yes, I know there was a controversial call, but it was close last year. Who cares? A win is a win. Then you get the Big Ten win against Minnesota, another, you know, Talk about super conferences, team from the Big Ten. You beat them convincingly. Then you go on the road to Pitt, and you beat them by double digits. And if I told you that Drake May was, eh, he's playing okay, but not the way he did last year, you would say, are you kidding me? This is the best-case scenario because Drake May is fine, right? The best part about this North Carolina team, the defense is better, which we all expected, and you're running the football better, which is exactly what you needed. Amarion Hampton and British Brooks have been toting the rock. They've been, you know, towards the top tier of the ACC. And Drake May, like I mentioned, he'll be fine. He's still completing 73% of his passes, which is insane. He's had a little bit of an interception issue, but it's nothing to worry about. They are set up in a really good spot moving forward within the ACC to potentially, I think they could be that team that's playing Florida State, uh, you know, in Charlotte at the ACC championship game. Danny, two quick things I'll let you go. Uh, We're here in Charlotte, but Columbia, South Carolina, just about an hour and 15 minutes away, where Shane Beamer is preparing to take his team up to uh, Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Uh, The Vols ranked 21 in the country. They're three and one. Shane Beamer and company, a big bounce back win over Mississippi State. I can't wait for this one. Um, What what do you think plays out up in uh, Neyland Stadium Saturday evening? Uh, I think Spencer Rattler is going to play great because even though he's been getting absolutely killed, I mentioned those nine sacks he's run, you know, that they gave up against North Carolina. I have been blown away at how good he's been with the football and not had the turnovers and still putting them in a position to win. Here's the thing I worry about. 
Remember what happened in this game last year? Remember remember the six touchdowns that he was counting up on the sideline? You know how hype videos are all the rage now and people are looking for disrespect? I guarantee you Josh Heifel and that Tennessee team is throwing up that video of him counting them on the sideline and saying, let's get some revenge, boys. And I think it's going to be a revenge game for Tennessee, who, by the way, tops in the SEC in sacks. They're third in the country with 16 of them. I think it could be a long afternoon for Spencer Rattler running for his life a little bit, but he's found ways to keep him in games before. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again, but I do think you're going to get a very angry Tennessee ball team. The one question I want to know is like South Carolina's defense. Can they, can they, can they shut down Joe Milton who hasn't been as good as Hendon Hooker? They haven't been as explosive. They did lose to Florida. They were held to 16 points in that game. Can South Carolina's defense, you know, get some stops and keep this game competitive? They do. I think they get a chance. But I think this game is going to fall more on the defense for South Carolina than it is on Spencer Rattler in the offense. Love it. Last thing, uh, last time you and I chatted, you and Deion Sanders had been beefing a little bit on Twitter. A lot's, transpi- oh. <laughs> a lot's transpired since then. Uh, did you see that beatdown coming last week? And can Colorado bounce back against Southern Cal this week? I did. Um Colorado's a great story. If it was a seven-on-seven tournament, I might pick them to win it. The unfortunate reality is this is an 11, you know, it's it's a team game. It's 11-on-11, and they're just not where they need to be on the offensive and defensive side, on the line, and the line of scrimmage. They just can't protect Shadour, and any quarterback is going to look pedestrian if he can't get protected. We saw that in Oregon. Uh, You know, on the offensive uh, line, they're not able to establish the run game. The defensive line, they're not able to get pressure. They can't stop the run. I think it's going to be similar. I don't know if it's going to be such a beatdown. I mean, Oregon had more points than Colorado had yards in the first half. I mean, you very rarely see that type of lopsided affair. And this one is in Boulder. So my favorite bet in that one is to take USC in the first half line. You can find it pretty much around 11 and a half, 12 and a half points in the first half. I think there's a potential for a backdoor cover for Colorado because I think they'll just be chucking it around the yard. USC might bench some of their players. I don't know if they're going to be quite as angry as Dan Lanning's squad. But here's the issue. They have a target on their back now. They've got the bullseye. Everybody's coming for them because they're all jealous of the attention they've been getting. And now that's not a good place to be in when you don't have the talent on the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. Danny Cannell, courtesy of Bet Online, CBS Sports College Football Analyst, Cover Three Podcast, former Florida State and NFL quarterback. One of our favorite guests here on the show. Danny, you're the best, man. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it, Kyle. You too, man. Have a great one. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.